So uh, Luke 18. One day Jesus taught the apostles to keep praying and never stop or lose hope. He shared with them this illustration. In a certain town there was a judge, a thick-skinned and godless man who had no fear of others' opinions. And in the same town there was a poor widow who kept pleading with the judge, Grant me justice and protect me from my oppressor. He ignored her, please, for quite some time, but she kept asking. Eventually, he said to himself, This widow keeps annoying me, demanding her rights, and I'm tired of listening to her. Even though I'm not a religious man and I don't care about the opinions of others, I'll get her off my back by answering her claims for justice, and I'll rule in her favor. Then she'll leave me alone. Jesus continued, Did you hear what the godless judge said? that he would answer her persistent request? Don't you know that God, the true judge, will grant justice to all his chosen ones who cry out to him night and day? He will pour out his spirit upon them. He will not delay to answer you and give you what you ask for. God will give swift justice to those who don't give up. So be ever praying, ever expecting, in the same way as the widow, even so, when the Son of Man comes back, will he find this kind of undying faith on earth? So I just felt like God was like, keep asking, be persistent, and keep asking for those things that are in our hearts. Because he gives us those things, whatever your passion is, or like us wanting to see this place grow, like... Just ask him, ask him, ask him, ask him until he's like, okay, fine. I'm going to give this to you. <laughs> Quit asking me. <laughs> and that goes the same like with, you know, your future and jobs and that sort of thing. And for you, like, just keep asking. Don't relent. Like, just keep going, going, going until he is like that judge who is like, fine, I'm tired of hearing you. And I'm going to give you what you're asking for because I placed that in your heart in the first place. So... Yes, so just keep pressing in. So tonight as we worship, just press into him and cry out to him and um, just continue to ask. So you guys could stand. And Father, we just, we thank you for tonight, God. We just keep crying out to you. We're going to bug you, bug you, bug you until our prayers are answered. You said you will not delay. So God, we say, ask that you don't delay. God, that you release all those things that you've placed in our hearts, Father. And God, just release it quickly and swiftly, God. God, we thank you. God, we thank you that you're um, faithful to us. And God, that you placed all these desires in our hearts in the first place. And that you love us and that you're a good, good Father. So we just worship you tonight, Father. God, we lay everything down. But God, we're going to continue to ask. We're going to continue to ask. But now we're just going to worship you. We're going to press into you tonight, Father, and give you what you deserve in your name. That's what Jesus taught us to pray. Let's just continue to pray. Let's ask. Let's, let's declare kingdom of God come. We need your kingdom, Lord. Let your kingdom come. Kingdom now, kingdom now, Lord. We need kingdom now. Let it come, Holy Spirit. 
We need the rule and the reign and the dominion of Jesus in our lives, in our homes, in our church, in this city. Kingdom of God come. Holy Spirit come. We need you, Lord. We release your kingdom. We release it, Lord. We release your glory. We release your power. We release your authority, your wisdom. We release your abundance, your provision. There's more than enough. We release the more than enough, more than enough. All sufficiency, we declare it, God. We release it. We say, let your kingdom come. Jesus, you are Lord. You are master. You are king. You are ruler. You are the ruler of the kings of the earth. Thank you, Lord. We welcome your rule and your reign. I welcome it, Lord. Just put your hand on your own heart, on your mind, wherever you need the kingdom to come. God, we just say, let your, let your kingdom, the dominion of the king, the king's domain, let it come, let it increase in my life, in my thinking, in my day-to-day movement. Thank you, Lord. Kingdom of God, come. Years ago, when we were transferring from four square denomination to fivefold ministry teaching and anointing, probably before Google, maybe Google was there, but you could choose Yahoo, Google, whatever. I remember searching fivefold ministry. And all the red flags popped up. Apostolic prophetic, fivefold. They're tied to kingdom now theology. And I thought, that sounds scary because we want the kingdom to come. We want the kingdom of Jesus to come in its fullness at the end of the ages. We want your kingdom, your presence, all of heaven, all the angels, all the saints to come back to this earth to rule and to reign for a thousand years, to make every enemy of the Lord a footstool for his feet. But I didn't know, I didn't have that revelation that the kingdom of God, the dominion of King Jesus is now and later. It's now. Lord, we want your kingdom. We want to see demonstrations of your rule and your dominion to come through our lives. And we are awakened. We have taken the glory pill. And we've embraced the the reality and the truth that you have given us the authority to make the declaration to release your kingdom. So tonight we release it. We partner with heaven and we pray. We know the will of God. We know your will, King Jesus. Father God, hallowed be your name. Let your dominion, your kingdom come and your will be done in the earth. 
just as it is in heaven. Praise you, Lord. Praise you. So I was, you guys encouraged me to, to press into the, the library of my king. And I did. And I saw a scroll because I was encouraged to find out, see if there's something that we can see. And I saw what looked like old English calligraphy, kind of like on the Declaration of Independence. And it was all like words stacked on words. And I was like, well, I, don't, I can't see what that is. It's like, is it peace? Is it, what, what is it? And, and I felt like I saw the Lord just wipe it all away. And he says, you put on it what you want. So I, I believe there's a scroll in heaven just for us to take what he has placed in our hearts and to put it on the scroll and to release it into the earth. And so I felt like he gave me the liberty to put on that scroll abundance more than enough. So we declare tonight, Lord, the abundance, the more than enough of heaven more than enough, more than enough. Direction for the future, more than enough. Provision for the vision, more than enough. Breakthrough in finances and debt dissolving, more than enough. Abundance, good health, kingdom health, more than enough. Abundant life, Zoe life, abundance. More than enough, Lord. Jesus. Salvation in this city. More than enough. The harvest is ripe. The harvest is ripe. And we speak to the workers. We speak to the harvesters. We say, arise and shine and go get the harvest. We speak that over ourselves and over the hearts of those that are equipped and ready to swing the sickle. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that we get to co-labor with you, that you've made us co-laborers and co-heirs with you. Jesus, thank you, Lord. Tonight has just been a really special night already. We're like, I feel like not even halfway through. Holy Spirit is just showing me picture after picture of things that represent himself. Like when we first started, it was like like the fog that we just saw coming into church. And we're, it's like we're the pine trees standing and with our arms raised, glorifying him and praising him and thanking him and his glory cloud is just coming in and surrounding us in his presence and it's like a thick presence holy spirit your presence is thick here tonight and we thank you that you're surrounding us and guys this isn't just like yeah you get a cool picture tonight like all every other church no this is a this is something father god wants to show you tonight here for LCC, for us in this room right now. And Holy Spirit showing me a picture like, it's like we're, when we're in the throne room, we're like in the galaxies where you can just see the stars and the, the cosmos, the things that he created 
the beautiful realms that he created. And it's like we're standing in a stadium of, of other believers who are loving and worshiping him. So guys, I want you all to like hold out your hands right now, palms up, because the next thing that Holy Spirit's showing me tonight is like this gigantic loaf of bread. <laughs> so just with your eyes closed and your hands out, look at that gigantic loaf of bread. I hope you like bread. This is like a French baguette or like a, 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 the French loaf. It's, it's big. And it's just going to float down. And this is Jesus' body. And like Scott was just saying just now, it's more than enough. Thank you, Jesus. Let, it, let that bread of life, Jesus' body, settle in your hands. And let it be new life for you. Thank you, Jesus. And the next thing he showed me, there's more. There's more that he showed me. And then it was like I saw this gigantic goblet and I above my head, and it was full of the wine. It was, you know, it's like we're taking communion, but we're in worship. But it was like you could just take out that big goblet and like take a big sip, and it was more than enough. It's more than enough for us. And that's his righteousness that fills us and washes away all the sin and, and the dirt and the grime. It's, it's his blood that makes us clean. Thank you, Jesus, that we get to partake of you and we get to be in your presence and we're washed clean. And we don't have to be afraid to approach you, to be in your presence. And we can be reconnected to you. He wants this for you more than, than we want it. He wants it so bad for us to reconnect with him, he sent his own son for us. I just want, I just think he wants to bless you with that. Yeah. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for showing us that you are the bread of life. There's more than enough. There's more than enough wisdom for the, the day's problems. There's more than enough. And we want your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Come quickly. And one, one last thing before I go is that, think about this for a minute. Huh? We are all created and held together by the power of his word. Whoa. Just imagine the power of God's word right now is holding you together. Every single part of you, your molecules or whatever that's used to make up you, whatever God made. 
<laughs> molecules, atoms. But those are only being held together right now because of the power of God's word. Thank you, Father. It's by the power of your word that we are created. We're held together by you. Thank you, Jesus. Since we just talked about the bread and the wine, let's let's have communion together. So everybody come on up for do you smell the bread? So good. Yeah, come on up. The wine is on my side, the grape juice is on car sides. Car's side. Do you want to lead us? You want me to? thing that Holy Spirit's bringing to mind right now is, and it's been on my heart, is that Father God wants to have an authentic, unique experience with you every day. And even right now in this very moment, like tonight's church is just not, it's not a copy of the previous time we had a church. This is a unique time we get to be together with him and experience him. So I say that to just put that that expectation in your heart, like, Lord, I want a new revelation of you, a new experience with you. And so just like Cara was was emphasizing last week about the bread and the communion, it's like Jesus said, in, in, as often as you do this, remember, you know, remember me. Right? <laughs> kind of going off of memory. But it's not just bread that we're holding in our hand. When, when we in our spirit 
we're, we're discerning in our spirit that this is now the body of Jesus. And if you just perceive it as bread, you know, that's the equivalent of, of not looking at it rightly. You know, this is not just a piece of bread now. This is the body of Christ. This was his body that was broken on the cross for us, that, that paid for it all. And his body was broken so that our bodies, here and now, could be healed. That we could have full and complete healing. So not only did he create us, but he came back for us, paid the ultimate price. His body was broken for us so that we could be totally healed. We thank you, Jesus, that you are the bread of life. You bring healing to us. You took our diseases and in our infirmities upon you so that we could live life in full health. Thank you, Jesus. So now we take the cup, and Jesus said that this is his blood, which is shed for the sins of many. Thank you, Jesus. This is the key. This is the key. His blood cleanses us of all sins, and it was, it was the perfect sacrifice. They had to do sacrifices over and over and over again, but it wasn't enough. It, wasn't, it couldn't pay for all the sin that, that was happening. But Jesus came, and not only was it enough, it was more than enough. And so this this blood atones for our sins and he forgives our sins and he doesn't even remember them. And so because he paid for our sins and forgave us, we can forgive others. So right now, if anyone comes to mind that we need to forgive, let's just take a moment. Say, Lord, I forgive that person. And it's not about feelings here. It's just just you can say the words because your words have power. Your emotions do not dictate what you're saying, what you're praying. So Lord, I forgive. I forgive those people that harmed me that or said something I didn't like. We forgive them because you forgave us. All right, let's drink the cup.
been so good so far, so I hope I don't mess it up. I have a goal tonight to have us finished at 8 p.m. That's 30 minutes. So we're going to see if we can do this. <clears throat> I think there's about 10 slides. That's what, two minutes per slide? Two? Three minutes. I can do math. So there's been a few things in the last few days that have been just sparked sparked thoughts in my mind between, not thoughts, it's just sparked the interaction between me and the Lord that have turned into a bit of a theme that culminated into a message. So we're just going to go for it. I conferred with one of the elders of the church and he said, he said, you should preach. We like to hear you preach. So, so we're going to bring it. It's kind of part of it started the other night on <clears throat> on X. If you don't know what X is, that's the Twitter, Twitterverse. You know, Elon turned it into a new place called X, where all the X files are at and all kinds of fun stuff. But I, I follow this preacher named Vlad, and I don't know how to say his last name, Savchuk. Savchuk. I'm not Russian, so I don't know if he's Russian, Ukrainian. But he's a, a Tri-Cities area um, pastor, Pasco. Pasco. There was a Pasco, pastor from El Pasco. And he had this, this quote of, that he put out there. If you lack purpose, you will be distracted by pleasure. And I was like, I thought about that. I was like, yeah, what is my purpose? Have, you know, have I forgotten? I, I, we need to ask ourselves, have we forgotten our purpose? Do we know what our purpose is? And, you know, it's easy in the day-to-day doing stuff, getting caught up in the, the, the plans of life, the things you got to do. You got to do the dishes. You got to prepare a meal. You got to work. You got to drive. You got to go interact with people. In all of that, do we still keep in the deepest part of our minds and hearts, what our purpose is. And so I, I thought I'll throw a little comment. I, I, I thanked him for that. I was like, thank you for saying this because we need to remind ourselves. I don't know exactly, I'd have to look it up what I said in response. And then after I, I had that response, I remembered the Proverbs. It says, when there is no clear prophetic vision, okay, I'm just gonna break it up just one line at a time. This is Proverbs 28:19 or 29:18. I can never remember. I get it mixed up. But it's Prov- I think it's 28:19. And it it tells us where there is no clear prophetic vision. Now what is prophetic vision? It could be vision of the night, a dream, an oracle or revelation, or where there is no prophetic seer or interpreter. Okay. I kind of feel like for myself, for for most Christians, I feel like prophetic vision is seeing where you're at in God's timeline as you walk with him and where you're going. What is the call of God on your life? What is the what is the the goal? What is the the prize that he's asked you and me to fix our eyes on as we 
as we walk from day to day. So there's where there is no vision, where we just kind of forget who we are, we forget what we're born for, we forget our purpose, we forget our, our unique callings in life, things happen in the negative. We, if we forget who we are, we start to do stupid stuff. So the rest of the verse goes, and it kind of goes with what he said there. Where there is no prophetic vision, people quickly wander astray. It could also be interpreted as let loose, strip, or made themselves naked. Now, I don't want to picture that, but I get the idea. You know, they just throw off everything and they, whatever, become a streaker. Or oftentimes we've heard it interpreted, and I don't know if I'm saying it right from the Septuagint. It could be the people become lawless. So where there is no vision in that prophetic part, you know, that's not just the Passion Translation. The English Standard Version actually goes to the original and, and keeps that word prophetic, where there is no prophetic, you know, looking into the future, not just vision for what's happening right now, you know, that, that takes no imagination. You know, we can all observe our current situation, be like, oh, I've got vision, I can see. I can see stuff sucks right now, or, you know, or whatever. Things aren't happening quick enough, or, you know, you, we can go into that. We shouldn't, but we can. But prophetic vision is waking up, clearing the sleep out of our eyes, and looking into the face of God and, and seeing what he has for us. Seeing what he has promised you, what he has called you to do, who he, ha- who he has called you to be, what he says about you. There was a song we were playing earlier, Abba. We were kind of laughing about it. And in one of the words, one of the lines is, your thoughts define me. Your thoughts define me. Like we can try to define ourselves, our future, our situations by our own assessment, our own analyzing of people and ourselves. But what, and we were talking about this the other night, what, what do you say, Father? What do you say about my situation? That's where we get prophetic. You know, we hear the one who can see our future. We, we hear from him about what he has to say about stuff. Not just in the future, but from heaven. And we talked about this last week from the throne room perspective, the third heaven looking down onto the earth. What does he say? What does he see? What's, what's his, his solution? Is he hopeless about anything? I don't think so. I don't think so. I feel like when we say yes to him, it makes it really easy to say no to other things. When we know this is where I need to be, this is what he's called me into, and this is where I want to be, then it makes it easier to say no to other other things. Like, no, because that's going to keep me from getting to that, that place, or it's going to slow me down. And you can fill in the blank, you know, from Vlad. You know, if you don't have purpose, if you don't have vision, you're going to get distracted by pleasures, whatever that pleasure might be for you. You It could be as simple as binging on Netflix, you know. And I'm I'm not condemning anyone who has, we watch our series, you know, in the evenings. But it could be overdoing it. In, in a way where you're actually filling the void inside of your heart with something that God needs to be filling. So 
we do that as people. We, we try to comfort ourselves. We try to find joy and satisfaction in things in life. Ultimately, our satisfaction and joy comes from him. When we discover, we taste and see how good the Lord really is, then we find that he is the answer to everything. He is the, the, the one who we've been looking for and not realizing it. But without God, we try to fill that void with stuff. And people would say in the 70s and the Jesus people movement that everyone's got this, this big Jesus-shaped hole in their heart. It can only get filled. It's a vacuum, and we try to put stuff in it. You know, people will put drugs and, and relationships and uh, stuff, you know, buying things. Can't stop purchasing things. Going into major debt now because I just got to fill that void with stuff. Or whatever. You know, you, 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 we all know what it is that we find comfort in if we don't find it in God. You fill in the blank yourself. I, I think I've listed a few things just to give you an idea if you're not sure. So it, it's important, nonetheless, for us to find our purpose. I love the last part of that verse. I could have just left it at the one um, in verse 18, 29, 18. I think this is, actually that, that is the whole thing. So then it ends with, but when you follow the revelation of the word, heaven's bliss fills your soul. Revelation of the word. I believe tonight that God's going to give us some revelation about our purpose, about our prophetic destiny, our prophetic vision. Like he wants to, as Paul prayed, open the eyes of our hearts that we would know him more that god would give us the spirit holy spirit the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we could understand the things that god has for us and as we as we receive that wisdom and revelation as we receive the knowledge and of our purpose and who we are who god is then we can grab hold of okay now i know what he says i know what he thinks about me i know what he's done for me I know what I can move forward in now with expectation and hope. I don't have to wonder. And I can, we can actually renew our minds and create new mindsets that are kingdom. It's so important for us to have a kingdom mindset, to be focused on the things above, not just on the things of earth. I've said this before. Tammy's going to add something here. People would say that you know, you can't be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. And I've said to you guys, I think a few times at least, I believe that's a pit of hell lie. I think that's a lie from the devil because the challenge is more becoming more heavenly minded. We're on earth. We live in a flesh tent, right? A flesh suit. We live in a flesh suit. It's called the flesh. In, it, in the Greek, it's the word sarx, S-A-R-X because the flesh really sarks. So it does. And if you're led by your flesh, whatever your body, you know, think of the big blow up things on the side of the roads. If you're led by that, then you're going to give in to whatever it desires. And you're going to, but that's not who we are. The Bible says, I read it tonight in Romans 8. It says that those who are led by, not their flesh, but by the spirit of God, who is now living inside of you as a Christian, if you're led by the spirit, you are, you are the true children of God. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons and daughters of God. Donna De Silva was actually talking about when God's not filling that place and 
we're thinking about like the things we want or the things we want to see happen, it can actually end up, you can end up with a fantasy spirit because, yeah, that, I mean, if you think about, for example, I would like to have a big house someday where we can entertain and that sort of stuff. It can turn into a fantasy spirit if that's all I'm doing is scrolling on Instagram all day and being like, oh my gosh, that one, that's the one, that's the one. When they were like multi-million dollar homes and that's not going to happen. And, um, and just like obsessing or focusing on whatever that thing is, if we're obsessing or focusing on it, it's actually a fantasy spirit. And so if we've fallen into that, we need to come out of agreement with that and repent and move on. So, but I thought that was really good when she said that. I'm like, yeah, it makes you think about, like, you have to be really careful with, I mean, obviously you're going to have times when you're like, oh my gosh, you know, you're going to focus on things, but when it's like all the time and it's taking place of being with God or whatever, that, yeah. Thank you, dear, for being so vulnerable and sharing that. I thought you said, I thought you said you were, you, know, you talked about the, the, the big, the big house. And, spending I was saying I could be spending all day on insta and looking and being like oh my gosh that's the one I, that, I gotta have this I gotta have that like I thought you were confessing to me. no sorry <laughs> <laughs> okay but we hear you we hear the point so in other words if, if you love Pinterest don't become a pinhead so that's what I that's what I have to say about it all right well we got one slide down Thank God the rest of them won't take lots of breaking it down. So, got a couple questions. Yeah, and we'll get, you know, at 8 o'clock we're just going to stop. So, question is, I want you guys to ask yourself this, this question. And I'm going to ask myself, not, not like out loud right now, who are you? You know, but the question, who are you? Like, who are you? Who or what do you see yourself as? I've heard people say this question, you know, like they'll ask someone, who, you know, who are you? And they'll be like, well, I'm a, you know, I do this for a living. And they're like, no, well, no, that's your career. Who are you? Who are you? Okay, well, I'm this. You know, they, they keep, basically they're trying to get them to, to narrow it down to who do you really see yourself as? Not your career, not your relational status like spouse or something or, or a parent, but who are you? So who are you, and who is God to you? Now, I'm not saying we're gonna we're gonna create a God in our own, you know, for our own purpose. You know, let's make man or let's make God in our image. You know, that's not where I'm going with that. But who is He to you? Like, how do you see God? What are your core beliefs about Him? Like, we're gonna we're gonna spend some time in a little while tonight at the end, actually, just asking God to show us some things, but. They're good questions. Like, how do I see the Lord? How, in my relationship with God, how do I believe in my mind He sees me? Which can be scary, if it was left up to me to to make the final consensus and statement of because I know me, and you you know me, but I I know me and you know yourselves better than we know each other. Like you know the stuff that goes on. You know your own thoughts. 
and to think that God knows your thoughts just as well as you, in fact, even more than you know your own self. That could be scary. You're like, man, he could just, you know, flush me right now. He could just take me out. He could hit that smite button on the keyboard. So, but it's important. And, and it's important to know what, what do we believe about him? Like, is he mad? Is he like filled with the fury of the wine press of the wrath of God, ready to come crush the grapes and stomp them in the wine press till the blood goes up to his waist on the hem of his garments? I mean, you know, we see that in Revelation. But how does he feel about you and me? Does he like you? We know he loves, he loves you. We tell people that all the time. Maybe we don't. God loves you, Oscar. God loves you. But not only does he love you, he likes you. All right. Let's take another look here. So we're going to talk about this God. We're just going to do a quick uh, little schooling type setting. And we'll talk about who God is, you know, biblically, from a biblical standpoint. Okay, so we, we look at the Old Testament. And we see in Genesis 1.26, God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Some, I shouldn't always, you know, clarify these things. But I know a lot of you guys know, you know, these words already. But sometimes we don't. And we have youngsters in the room that may not already know this. So when we look at the Old Testament, we see God, the, the word God. That's not his name. So when you... I shouldn't say that. So when someone says, someone says GD, they're not actually taking the Lord's name in vain, but they are using the, name, the, the word that describes the creator of the universe, and they're taking their frustration out. I think it's a bad thing. I think it's something that if, if it comes out of your mouth, you should probably go talk to God about it, like me. I've had to talk to God about it because I've made those mistakes and said things. Anyway, I'm just being vulnerable with you guys. I'm being vulnerable and being honest. So God, the word for God in the Old Testament is the, the word Elohim, which could be translated in some interesting ways. It could be the gods or you know the spirits or whatever. We know from the biblical perspective, when we read the whole, get the whole counsel of the scriptures, that when God created the heavens and the earth, it's, the, it's Elohim, and it's the creator God, but he's not just one person. We, we recognize that, that God, the word Elohim, is, does have plurality. And then we see this interpretation of that verse, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. So we have to think, well, who is the us? Well, later on, of course, we'll find out. But Oh, and here's an interesting thing, too. So his name... So his name is not God. That's who he is. Just like who you are is not David. That's just your name. Hmm. That's interesting. Who am I? His name is Yahweh. Or, oh, I didn't put that up there yet. Sorry. I got to look at the right slide that you guys are looking at. So, see, I didn't even have that verse up there. I'm so sorry, guys. So God, Elohim, is plurality, is what the creator is. His name is English letters Y-H-W-Y. There are no vowels in the Hebrew. There's just those letters for his name. 
So people have added vowels. Can I buy a Can someone give me a vowel? Can I buy a vowel? You can add the E, the A, A-E-I-O-U. No, not sometimes Y, not in this one. There are no vowels, but it is pronounced Yahweh or sometimes Jehovah or Yehovah. I don't know. Most commonly, we hear it as Jehovah or Yahweh. So that's the Old Testament revelation of God. God is revealed to us in the New Testament as a triune being, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, see, if we had a whole bunch of new people that have never heard the Bible before, they would learn something tonight. But it's kind of like preaching to the choir, but this is actually, you know, especially for the young people, this is your homeschool lesson. This is daddy homeschool in the church building. Okay, (laughs) giving you some Bible teaching. So Matthew 29 28, 19 says to, to, be, to go into all the world and baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One name, three persons. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. That's 2 Corinthians 13, 14. So again, we see these three persons. And again, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God, and the word was God. John 1.1. 1, 1. This is speaking about Jesus coming into the world. So, I won't battle, batter this one anymore, because I think we're all pretty convinced in this room that God, the plurality of Elohim, is revealed to us in the New Testament as the Father, the Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Are we all agreement on that? Okay, there's no Jehovah's Witnesses in the room? No? One God, three persons? No Mormons? Okay. Hey, the Jehovah's, they, they have a problem with this. They're like, no, Jesus is not equal with Father God. He's, he's just, yeah, yeah, he's just an angel or something like that. But we won't go into that right now. Okay. Take a breath here. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 19 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself and not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. I use the New King James Version because it it kind of emphasizes that part that says that God was in Christ. That, that, That God, that Jesus Christ was not just a human being like us. He was actually God in the flesh. Again, I don't need to convince you guys that, that Jesus was the word who became flesh that was God and was with God. You know, wrap your mind around that. You know, he was God and he was with God. In other words, God the Father and God the Son. You guys okay? Okay. See, this is the part that's going to go a little quicker and easier because, okay, we're all on the same page. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. This is, Ma- oh, sorry. Matthew eleven twenty seven. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, 
Okay, so we got this little issue here. Father and the Son, they know each other, and no one else knows who they are. But Jesus is going to make something very revelatory in this moment. And anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So no one knows the Son except the Father. No one knows the Father except the Son. And anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him to. In other words, Jesus has come to reveal to you and me who he is and who the Father is. This is awesome. I love reading about what Jesus came to do. Jesus said to him, John 14, 6 through 7, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So in other words, Jesus is the exact representation of the Father come in human flesh, walking amongst us. This is mind-blowing. There's a reason why I'm going there with, with these, these things that the Scripture tells us that God has done to reveal himself to us. Hopefully you guys are catching it. I think most of us are. The, the reality that God is a Father and that's who Jesus wants to reveal to us. It's important that you and I recognize that the almighty God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the uh, creator of the universe is a father. He's the father of our Lord, the one who we were singing about tonight. We were saying, you know, hail King Jesus and worthy is the lamb. He is the Son of God, and His Father is the Creator with Jesus and the Holy Spirit, the one God that created everything. And Jesus came as a human being to show us the Creator. We're getting somewhere. This is from John 20, verse 17. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. I don't know about you guys. I think in my early days of walking with the Lord, I was so paranoid of cult stuff like the Jehovah's Witnesses and the Mormons that I did not want to dare come close to touching the deity of Jesus because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is God in the flesh. And I didn't want to be one that was, you know, trying to go around Jesus and somehow put more emphasis on the Father or the Holy Spirit outside of Jesus or around Jesus. You guys know what I'm saying? Is this making any sense? In other words, if I was gonna pray, my prayer is gonna be Lord Jesus. Now, I grew up hearing my dad pray, and he would always start his prayers with Heavenly Father, our Heavenly Father. Now, that, I didn't quite see a difference in how I prayed and how my dad prayed when we're addressing God, but me personally, I was uncomfortable with addressing God as Heavenly Father. See, I came to know Jesus Jesus died on the cross and saved me. He rescued me. He, he took away my sin. 
with his precious blood. And I asked Jesus to come into my life. And then I, I understood the scripture said when Jesus comes into us, it's actually the Holy Spirit, the third person, if you want to number them, one of the three persons of the triune God, the Holy Spirit came in to me. But I still always kept my focus on Jesus because I was nervous about like, is it okay? Is it okay to pray to Father God? I mean, I guess Jesus told us this then is how you should pray. And we sang it that last song. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I don't know about you guys, but I've, I'm not alone in this because many people struggle with being able to wrap their mind around God as Father. But Jesus came to reveal him to us that we could have relationship with the Father. Just as he told, uh, I think that's Mary in the garden, just as he told her, you know, don't cling to me. I am going to ascend back to my father and your father, to my God and your God. So, you know, the Jehovah's Witnesses love verses like that because they'll say, see, he's not God. He's pointing to the father who's God. He is pointing to the father who's God, but we know the scripture's clear. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. So anyway, that's Hence, all the previous scriptures about the Godhead in the Old Testament and New Testament. All right, so we move on here. For it was fitting that he, so this is, oh yeah, Hebrews 2, 10 through 11. For it was fitting that he, Jesus, for whom and by whom all things exist, as David was telling us earlier, whose word holds all things together. In other words, his voice, his word is the glue that keeps all the atoms, the molecules moving and stuck together instead of just going like the Big Bang Theory. For whom and by whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies, we're talking about Jesus, and those who are sanctified, that's us, all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers. Once again, a scripture I struggled with for a long time because is it okay to say, Jesus, you're my big brother? He's not ashamed to call you and me brother and sister. He sees you and I. This is Jesus, the one whose face shines brighter than the sun. He's got a sword coming out of his mouth. His legs and body are glowing like, like bronze glowing in a furnace, right? I mean, and when he talks, it sounds like rushing waters. It's scary. Enough to make John fall at his feet as though dead, like faint. He is not ashamed to, to see you and I as brothers and sisters because he came to bring us into the family of God. He came as the firstborn of all creation. Not that he was created because he is the creator, but they, the Bible calls him the firstborn of creation, the firstborn of many sons. So he came into this body of flesh and blood like you and I are living in in order to bring us into the family of God. He became like us so that we could become like him. So this is a little bit of scripture from Galatians chapter four, the first uh, paragraph, and then a, a line from another verse. So I, I feel like this is important. Paul said, I mean that the heir, 
So an heir, kids, do you know what an heir is? Okay, someone that's inheriting something. The heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave. So when you're a child, you don't know any difference. If you got maids and servants in your house, I mean, we don't. I guess Tammy's the maid. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I take up the servant duties just as much. So when you're a baby, you don't know any difference, whether there's a hired person to come clean the house or, you know, they, they don't know the difference between them and themselves in the house. Although, in a sense, he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we, I'll just say we, 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 yes, in the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to elementary principles of the world. Hmm, that doesn't sound too great. I guess we don't want to stay children forever, do we? I mean, Jesus did tell us to, to become like little children, but we're talking about maturity and growing and learning. There's a little bit more to it. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. So Jesus became like us, born under the law to, to redeem us, to rescue us. Because the law, the law of God, it holds every one of us guilty as lawbreakers because we have broken the law at some point. And when you break the law at one point, you become a lawbreaker. It's, it's now your identity. But Jesus came sinless, perfect, born under law to redeem us, to rescue us from out from underneath that penalty so that we could become those who receive the adoption as sons. I don't know how to better give a picture of this, but other than him just coming under it, pulling us out of the, the penalty of our own sins and bringing us out of that and giving us a spirit to live inside of us, a new identity. You are now a son or a daughter of God. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. So you and I have now become sons and daughters of the living God. We are heirs of God co-heirs with Christ. This is mind-blowing. Then he added this in verse 19. My little children. So he's addressing them because there's some issues that they were dealing with. They were going back to the law. They were going back to trusting in their works. The church of Galatia was like, you know, they, they started with grace and in the power of the Spirit of God and walking and growing in grace, and then they started wanting to do things according to the law, and they fell back into works. He says, my little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth. Must have been a real pain in his belly. Pain of childbirth or anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. The will of God for you and I is that we would come into an understanding that God 
is our Father, and Jesus Christ is our rescuer, redeemer, and brother. He has saved us. You can't get to the Father any other way but coming to Jesus. He is the way. And, but once we come to him, you are safe, and you can stay right there with just having a relationship with Jesus. You don't have to pray to the Father. You don't have to, you know, have conversations with the Holy Spirit and, and learn his ways. Once you have Jesus, you have God, and you're saved. But Jesus is inviting us into the fullness of life. He's inviting us into a relationship with the Father. And when we come into an understanding of God as our Father, things begin to shift because fathers have a unique purpose. Like, I'm not saying God just has a purpose. He's God. But using the identity and the function as a father to describe himself to you and I speaks a lot to us about how he sees us and how he feels about us. You know, I said I was going to be quit right at eight. Let me just do a couple more verses. We'll, we'll just do a part two next week. Should we do a part two next week? Okay. So Ephesians 4, this is, again, about the, the plan of God is not just to, to get you born again and keep you a baby Christian, a little infant child of God, until you get to heaven and hope that you make it, you know, in your dirty diaper by the skin of your teeth. Because the flames will, you know, the flames of refining will burn all of that off. And you will smell like you have the smoke on your skin still or whatever. I mean, Paul talks about it. Some, some you know, when, when their works are tested by the fire, whatever was wood, hay, stubble will get burned up. Whatever's gold, costly stones, you know, will last. Some will come in having the smell of smoke on them. But hey, as long as you make it, right? <laughs> I mean, that's what I would say if I'm like, I'm, I'm here. Thank you, Jesus. I smell smoke, but I'm in. So we all know Ephesians 4.11. We quoted a lot, a lot of times here about God gave those fivefold ministry, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. And it continues here, to equip the saints for work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. Sorry, women. Mature manhood. To the measure of to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So God's plan for you and I is that we would, we would mature, that we would mature from little kids in the house that no, don't know the difference between the servants and our parents that are the homeowners and, and who we are in the house to become sons and daughters that walk in knowing who they are and who their father is and what they have responsibility and access to. And then there's that part, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. The fullness of Christ. We want the fullness. We don't just want a little sliver of Jesus, a little slice of Jesus to, to cover a thin veneer of Jesus over our ordinary boring lives and this is what Greg used to say and when you when you lift up that little veneer of Jesus you don't look anything different than the people in the world that aren't saved but there are many Christians and they are going to heaven that just have 
the thin slice of Jesus. But God wants his kingdom. He wants the seed of, of his son, the, the spirit of God who is like a seed being birthed inside of you to cause you and I to grow into maturity, to become aware of who we are, who God is, of our assignment, to, to receive prophetic vision and understanding of where we're going so that we could be fruitful and productive and have a, a satisfying, fulfilling life. Without that, I think there's going to be a lot of Christian frustration. So why don't we stand up because we'll save the rest for next time. Hopefully I'll remember. You never know. Sometimes God's just like, nah, we're not going to go back to that. And you're like, oh, man, that's okay. It's okay. Whatever he wants to do. I don't get clung to, cling to notes. But Jesus, God, I just ask tonight that you would, you would move over us, that you would release your presence now. Holy Spirit, that you would come that you would stir our hearts and our minds, that you would awaken us to who the scriptures, who you say we are. That we have been born again with a new nature and a new identity. That you, Holy Spirit, live inside of us and we have received you, who the Bible calls the spirit of adoption. Holy Spirit, would you awaken our hearts and our spirit to be able to, to cry out to the Father as sons and daughters of God, that we would learn to address Father God, to come before our Father and to receive, because we hear from your word that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of heavenly lights. And he's a good Father, and if he's a good father, he will give us good gifts. And if we ask for more of you, Holy Spirit, Father God, you will give us more. Father, we come to you tonight. We say thank you for sending Jesus, our King, our Lord, our Master, and our big brother to rescue us out from under the law, not from obedience, but out from under the penalty of the law. We thank you, Jesus, for doing that for us. And Father, we thank you for sending your beloved son, your precious one and only son, so that we could come into the family, so that we could receive the spirit of sonship, so that we could come to know you as our Father God, that we could step into the inheritance of the saints that we would know the inexpressible riches of your kingdom, that we would be able to lay hold of the assignment that you have for us as mature sons and daughters, to, to go into all the world, to take this message of the gospel, to share it with every creature, to bring the message of the kingdom and to destroy the works of darkness. God, we thank you that you have given us responsibilities that are not hard, but that we can step into as we renew our minds, as we, as we awaken ourselves to the truth of what you have for us and what you've done to make it happen. God, you've given us everything. 
You're more than enough. You've given us the abundance of heaven and you all you do is ask us to fix our eyes on you and to speak what you tell us to speak and to do what you tell us to do. God, we thank you that you love us individually in this room. That each one of us, when we were born, your love and your favor and your kindness was poured out all over us. That you didn't see us as an orphan or a worthless sinner, but you poured out your heart and your love and you, you spoke and breathed dreams and purpose and destiny into each one of us. God, I pray tonight that you would stir us and awaken us to that reality, that you are closer than our skin, that you are nearer than we could imagine. We thank you, Lord. We just say we love you, Lord. We yield to you in Jesus' name.